Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Gratitude. You know, to, to, to the point of uh, kidney stone pain going away, I praise God for that. You know, let me just, let me just comment on, there are two other people um, that I know. One is in this body and another friend that just had, had to have some kidney stones surgically removed, you know, and they're believing, praying folk. One guy sent me a picture that I did not really care to see, but uh, so here's the thing. Jesus came here and showed us who God is. Jesus is God. Amen? Now, Jesus is the clearest picture that we have of God. Jesus is the manifest, expressed will of God. If you want to know what God thinks about something, look at the life of Jesus. If you want to know what God wants about any given situation, look at the life of Jesus. Even the wrath and the punishment and the, the, the result of breaking the law is revealed and evidenced in the life of Jesus, not in that he went around executing judgment, but in that he bore our judgment. You have to think of it that way. So when you look at Jesus showing us the will of God, what did he do? Went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy, right? That's the will of God. Now, it's difficult to believe and take at his word the fact that he said, you will go into the world, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You'll raise the dead. You'll speak in new tongues, and, the, and these miracles and signs and wonders will follow you. I will be with you, the, the spirit confirming the word. Amen? And, but it just makes sense to me that sometimes it manifests and sometimes it doesn't because that spiritual power that's God's power has been given to earthen vessel creatures. You know what I mean? It's like babies playing with whatever that they don't know how to play with. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like an inexperienced, it's, like it's like a master's tool in the hands of somebody that doesn't really know how to use it. That's just where we are. It's valid. It's real. It's a power. It's what he wants. Now, here's the thing. You line up 10 people dealing with kidney stones. Jesus himself walks in the room and prays for them. What do you think would happen to each and every one of them? Honestly, how you answer that question, you know, kind of determines where your theology is, what kind of lines that you draw. But imagine that. Any issue at all, any issue at all, a willing vessel that looks at Jesus, recognizes, recognizes him for who he is. Maybe they're even sitting there going, I can't do anything, but I see you and I recognize you as Lord. And he stands in front of them and he prays for them. What would happen? Do, do, do you have any doubt of that at all? That's his will. All the time, every time. Well, yeah, but my grandmother was such a devout, holy person and she prayed and she suffered her entire life that's, no, that's not the evidence that you use to inform yourself about the will of God. The circumstances of this broken and fallen world are not the evidence that you collect to determine the will of God. 
Well, you're saying that everything should just be perfect. God's just going to magically make everything work out for you. I'm not saying that you'll never go through difficulty and challenge and loss and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying if God had His way, it'd be heaven on earth. So we just kind of start with the idea of the will of God. And so when we look at situations like that, well, why did he get healed and the other one didn't? The other one probably doing a better job. He didn't get healed. Well, you know, God just needs you to suffer a little bit. And I'm telling you, man, because we do a lot on social media, that's one of the biggest things we take heat for is this idea of, well, suffering. Bless God, there's holiness and suffering. And you learn how to trust God and patience and suffering. You have to understand there's different kinds of suffering. There's suffering that comes from the persecution of your faith or for Christ's sake. Suffering in that, like the apostles experienced. When you go back and you look at the New Testament and Peter's writing about it, Paul's writing about it, all of the suffering that they address that they seem to endorse that you should endure for patience, which bears holiness, that's for the persecution of faith. That's for going out and sharing your faith. That's for doing the work of the ministry. If you're persecuted for that, praise God that you've been counted worthy of that type of persecution. But if you make a dumb decision, or you eat horribly, or you just suffer the, 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 the sin effect or the death effect in this earth of disease and job loss and early you lose a child early or something like that, that's not the kind of suffering that God is orchestrating into your life to teach you lessons. You can't find that anywhere in Scripture. Well, what about Job? Who persecuted Job? Not God. Well, God allowed it. Okay. God has to allow every decision that every free will being makes, including spiritual beings. That enemy didn't have to come and before God and accuse Job. He could have just gone and attacked him. Job was primed to be attacked because he was in fear. I better be careful. Last time I preached this, somebody left the church. But. <laughs> so, you know, it's just where we are. We are earthen vessels filled with the Creator's creative power. He's good. You know, if you want to know the will of God, look at the garden. The garden was perfect. Before mankind introduced sin, what was the garden? There was no sin in there. There was no death. There was no lack. Man walked face to face openly with God. God would come in the cool of the day and walk in the garden with them. How amazing is that, right? And then you look at heaven. Is there any death in heaven? Is there any disease? Is there any lack? Is there any sickness? In heaven, of course not. And then you look at the spaces in between and you look at Jesus. So you got the will of God in the, earth, in the garden. You got the will of God in heaven. And then Jesus came to show us the will of God. And what did he do? He went around doing and affecting people's lives as it reflected their lives are in heaven. That's the will of God. Everything else in between is the product of mankind's uh, destruction in the earth. And so when you pray and something does or doesn't happen, or specifically doesn't happen, it's not because God's playing engineer with the circumstances of your life. It's because we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world, and our minds struggle with the capacity of using the gifts and the tools of the master because we have these dull minds and these hard hearts 
that it's hard to interact with and, and absorb that which He's put on the inside of you. But the Creator has joined Himself to you. If you said yes to Jesus, if you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, you are indwelt with the Spirit of the living God. You have the creative source of life in you. And, and then you go through all the imagery of the temple. You know, the temple, the temple, the, the tabernacle and the temple under the Levitical, Levitical priesthood, the Spirit of God would dwell in the secret place and the Holy of Holies. And it's clear that we now are the living temple of God. God is building a new temple in the earth. You are a living stone in that temple in which the Spirit of the living God inhabits. That's just what and who you are. And if we could figure out how to actually live under the influence of that spirit on the inside of us, the planet would look a lot different. Now, I'm not saying that the future doesn't hold darkness because the world is decaying. There are those that will reject him and that we're in the middle of the parable of the wheat and the tares in terms of the end and the, 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 the master has planted good fruit and there is good fruit. There is wheat, but then there's also weeds. This is Matthew 13. If you're unfamiliar with this parable, go check it out. Jesus is specifically describing the end, and it's that there's weeds and wheat. And the, the, in the parable, the field workers, us, go to the field owner and say, didn't you put, why, why is there bad things happening? Why is there weeds in the field? Why is this happening? Didn't you plant good seed? So they start to kind of accuse, wait, what? I don't know about this, Lord. I don't know about this, you know, field master. There's, there's, weeds out here. Did you plant these weeds? And they, it's almost as if they accused the field owner. He's like, no, 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 there's, the, there's an enemy. And the enemy has planted these weeds and they're growing. However, and then he switches into describing the actual end and he says, my father will send the angels to remove the weeds. Bundle them up and burn them up. Jesus is coming back. Now, what that looks like, I don't know, but it's going to be good. And it doesn't mean that you have to suffer destruction in the process until it happens. Some of you might suffer for the persecution of your faith. It, might just, it just might happen. And, and glory to God if it does. And I pray that you endure and are faithful and are patient, trusting God throughout whatever happens to you. Amen? But in general... Your dad didn't try to sell you twice. You're not having to hide in the bush and hope that a black mama doesn't come along or a hyena. A lot of those girls that run away from their families, they get mauled by hyenas out in those regions. You ever evaded a hyena? Chelsea, you ever had to run from her? She didn't laugh. I thought I'd get that cute laugh out of her over there. <laughs> But, but, you know, so, and it's not that we want to be grateful because our life isn't as bad as somebody else's life. You know what I mean? Like we've been talking about this concept of gratefulness. We use the ancient Israelites as an example. And through the ancient Israelites, we saw that, and this is, I'm not going to go back and review all of it, but we saw that their ingratitude and their complaining led to hardness of heart, which led to unbelief, which leads to disobedience, which the, their disobedience was unbelief. The, the, the rejecting of God's order and law was the fruit of their unbelief. 
and disobedience. The original disobedience was unbelief. In other words, God said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. We're talking about the ancient Israelites that Moses went to, Pharaoh, all the plagues that happened. They were delivered out of Egypt. God split the Red Sea. The Israelites are out wandering. What, should have, what could have been a direct two-week journey then to go into Canaan land was 40 years. And it was 40 years that they could not enter into that which God wanted for them because of this. Ingratitude, complaining, which led to unbelief, which then promotes disobedience. So it's not the disobedience that then God withheld. God had already made the promise. See, here's the thing that we have to understand about ingratitude and complaining and hardness of heart and disobedience. It keeps you, listen, if you don't get anything, get this. All of that stuff keeps you from experiencing that which God has already given you in Christ. God has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Yep. All His promises are yes and amen. The kingdom of God doesn't come with outward observation. We're going to go up there and get it. We're going to go down and get it. We wonder what's going on. What's God doing out there? No, it's in you. Everything you need from God is in you if you've said yes to Him. You've been indwelt by His Spirit, and His Spirit is in you. And to me, we are gardens of God. We are the garden now. We, and I'm not, don't make that a theological thing. I'm speaking a little bit metaphorically. I'm just saying we are full of God's spirit. And I see it as if we're this soil that God has planted spiritual kingdom seeds in. Imagine what kind of seeds God plants and then what grows from the seeds that he plants. It's fruit for one thing. We know the fruits of the spirit, you know, peace, joy. Long-suffering, patience, self-control. We know all those. Those are in you. You don't need him to give you those things. What you need to do is not complain and be hard of heart. Well, I'm speaking kind of heavy-handed at the moment. Let me be nicer for just a minute. Quit your whining. Quit your complaining. You know, anyway. But, but honestly, this, this is where we are. We, you're not trying to get God to show up and do things in your life. He's put his life source in you. And if you will use the word to renew your mind, let it affect your behaviors, yes, let it soften your heart. This is, this is called repentance. This is what repentance is. It's, it's, it's stop thinking according to the world system and start thinking according to God's word, his law, his commandments. And not to do those things to be qualified, but to live that way to keep your heart soft so what he's put in you will naturally grow out of you. Gratitude and thankfulness toward him promotes kingdom fruit. It's like fertilizer and water on the seeds of the kingdom of God on the inside of you. Gratitude prepares the heart to bear the fruits of the Spirit and to then walk in the gifts of the Spirit also. Gratitude, I'm telling you, and it's on every level. If you're having trouble in your relationships with your spouse, and I'm not saying that you should just, you know, there's this whole thing about if a man's got a sin, the wife should just sit down, shut up, pray for him, and then he'll, he'll figure it out. I don't buy that. If you came out of that background, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, just be thankful. <laughs> so, so we've talked about this. And so the, the, the Israelites were here. This is Hebrews 4, 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us 
So uh, the author of Hebrews starts to relate our journey in Christ to the ancient Israelites and show where they went wrong and where we might be going wrong. He paints this whole picture that there's a rest for you. Even in the midst of the darkest circumstances, maybe, maybe you are watching this online and you are imprisoned and you are unjustly accused and you are facing death for the persecution of your faith. You can have peace. You can be at peace. And then whatever that looks like in your world, wherever there's challenges and difficulty experiencing peace, uh, this, is, this is the way out. This is what they did wrong, but this gives us a clue of what we can do. So for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word, listen, the word which they heard did not profit them. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Well, I trusted God. Well, I gave. Well, I did this and it didn't happen. The word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard them. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to get some big, bad, bold faith. All you need is a tiny little bit of faith. What I'm saying is you need to be persuaded of who God is. See, we don't, we're not one of those churches that preaches it's your faith that moves God. Faith is a response. Faith says, okay, God, you said this, so what I'm going to do is persuade myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Quit sin. Renew my mind. Quit hanging out with those people. Quit watching that. Quit giving my money to that. Whatever it is, whatever is overcharging your heart, robbing your opportunity to mix faith with what God promised. That's what you got to, and there is behavioral aspects to that. But what faith does is God says, because of Jesus, by His stripes, you're healed. Now, wherever you are on the Christian spectrum, some of you might think, well, that's only for soul and spirit. I happen to think it's for body as well because He bore His sins in the body, not just in His soul, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a salvation. It's a whole salvation. And then you see Jesus went at, think, think about how amazing this is. He didn't have to do this. He could have just come here and preached a moral message, but what did he do? No, he would touch people and they would get healed. You ever thought about it in that term? Like, okay, God showed us who he, God showed us his image of humanity in Christ. God showed us his idea of what it looks like to be human. And that person would touch people, and their diseases would go away. What? You know, I think we sometimes we think we, we just skip over some of the most profound aspects that God revealed about His character in Christ. You know? We just, we, it's like, I don't know, we just don't think on those levels maybe, but I think gratitude for every little thing starts to soften our hearts so that we can experience. But, it, but it's proactive. So, We've said a few of these concepts. A grateful heart mixes faith with God's promises. And gratitude is spiritual thinking, not fake, not hope and wish and dream. It's No, spiritual thinking says, okay, I see this. God says this, which means that it can affect this. So I'm going to believe this in spite of this. Some people think that's denying reality. I think it's having hope in something that can actually change the adverse situation. 
So gratitude is spiritual thinking, and we know that to be carnally minded is death, spiritually minded is life and peace, and we're moving toward peace. Gratitude is proactive. Say proactive. This is what we've talked about. A little bit of review, but I just think it's good to hear it again, be reminded. Gratitude, uh, unfortunately, a lot of us are only grateful after something's happened. But gratitude is spiritual. I would even say gratitude is an act of faith. It sees the end from the beginning. It's thankful. You know, we're charged in Scripture. In all things, give thanks. In all things, give. Not just when things are going well. All things. Gratitude, to me, is actual repentance and mind renewal. To me, the height of repentance is not just you're sorry for something that you did. The height of repentance is you recognize that your, your inner being is living contrary to how God would lead you to live. And, and it's, it, you don't want that. You want to live a life that's honoring and glorifying of God. And even if you feel stuck, even if you're in a situation where you feel like, well, I have to live this way to survive, listen, I'm telling you, He is the God who can make a way where there is no way. Amen. Maybe you're dealing with something and you feel like, well, I could never, never overcome this. I'm stuck in this. There's no stuck in God. He can change anything, but it's from a grateful heart that mixes faith with the promises. What promises are you standing on? How are you proactively being thankful for who God is and what He's done for you? You know, so oftentimes where it's like, okay, well, make a list of all the things that you're grateful for, and it's all the stuff that's happened or that you have. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Count your blessings. Praise God. That's a good thing because, you know, we can be uh, unthankful for the stuff that has happened. But proactively... How can you look into the Word of God, find a promise, be thankful to the degree as if it's already yours and you own it? And I'm not talking about your Lamborghinis and your Bugattis and your mansions and your fat bank account and your this and your trips and that. You know, whatever. I don't even care about that stuff. I'm talking about the things that the Spirit of the living God would bear fruit into your life, right? There is a crossing in provision. God is a provider. I just happen to think that if God takes the time to say, I am, so many times, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm Jehovah Nisi, I'm Jehovah Sidkenu, all of these things, do a study in the names of God. If he took the time to declare himself as that character aspect, you can expect him to be that for you. In every situation. I am the Lord God, your healer. I am the Lord God, your deliverer. I am your peace. I am your father. I am your judge. Thankfully, Christ was judged for you. you know, so when you run across all those names of him, you're, you're, there's a reverential worship toward him. Gratitude proactively is thankful for the character attributes of God being manifest and evidenced in your life. And then just this idea of peace guards your heart. Peace guards your heart. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Like, do you think that that could be a reality for you? Those of you that struggle with anxiety and fear and worry and all of the 
emotional disorders. This is more of a promise than it is a command. I mean, it is kind of a command. But do you even believe that you can be without anxiety in your life? I mean, sometimes it's like we just, can't, we just don't even have hope that that can be our reality. But just this one thing, he says, be anxious for nothing. I, I hope that you have hope for that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the point being here, when you pray, what are you letting your requests be made known to God with? In other words, God, here's my request, and I got a whole lot of fear with it. I got a whole lot of worry. I got a whole lot of doubt. I got a whole lot of anxiety. Well, make your request known to Him with thanksgiving. Believing that He is God, as if it's already happened. And it's not that then your mind makes it happen. It's just that you then become the, 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 the environment within which God's character can grow in you. And character being who He has self-evidently described Him to be. Not just your righteousness, not just your peace, but your provider and your healer and your deliverer and your wisdom and your sanctification. Whatever you need, God is that thing and wants to be that through you. But gratitude, and I'm not saying gratitude is a magic key, you know. The keys to the kingdom, gratitude. If you figure out how to do this, then it's all going to work for you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, quit your complaining. Because <laughs> it's hardening your heart and it's making it harder for you to experience the fruits of God's Spirit in your life. It just is. You know I'm telling you the truth. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. I love this. Um, peace. Say peace. peace. The Greek word for peace here is arene. Arene. Say that with me. Arene. Now you speak Greek. Usually it's... You could just say, and it sounds kind of like, anyway. So then you look at this beautiful gem right here. This is, this is Jesus speaking, right? These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Uh, but the helper, say helper. Not your condemner. Not your stumbling block provider. Not your wizard tester. Not your rat in the... May's creator, your helper. But the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he has sent him now, by the way. He will teach you all things. You can expect the Holy Spirit of God to teach you all things in every situation. It's a choice to choose confusion because you got the Holy Spirit to teach you all things. Well, you know, I'm not, so, I'm not so sure about those people that always say, well, God told me. I understand that. I get that. I get that. But Jesus said he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit's going to teach you all things. Right now, in this moment, if you, if you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of the living God in this moment is teaching you whatever it is that you need. 
He will lead you and guide you. Do you believe that? Amen. Now, you've got to know the word because I'm not just saying you're just going to be able to sit and thoughts out of thin air are going to come in. And, Ooh, that's what I need to do. He's going to highlight the word. Most of, that's how it works for me. Let me just say that. What, I, what happens with me is because I've taken the time to know the word, put the word in, read the word, study the word, him teaching me all things is highlighting some element of scripture that I'm familiar with. So then I go to that word and I read that aspect of the word. And then sometimes it takes me, you, you ever get lost in the treasure hunt of scripture? And it's like this leads to this leads to this. And it, but then this beautiful tapestry comes together of this image and you're like, that's what I've been missing. And it's not that you've been lacking knowledge. It's just that you've been lacking the wisdom, the, the capacity to apply that which you already know. That's what he'll do. He'll give you the under. He'll help you discover the understanding that you need. Mixing faith with the promise. What's the promise and how are you responding to it? Ooh, that's actually a really good way to say that. I need to remember that. <laughs> faith is, you, if you're, how do you know if you're in faith? How are you responding to the promise? Because that's what faith is. Faith is the response. Faith is not you do something and then God kind of is like forced some, some way to give you, some, like, you know, the whole give to get kind of mindset. He'll teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Peace I leave with you. Say, I have the peace of Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Remember back over here, in this here, we see that the peace of God guards your heart, right? So how do you let not your heart be troubled? You nurture gratitude. I'm just telling you, you nurture gratitude toward him. What are you thankful for? Honestly, when you pray, is it mostly fear and worry or complaining? When you're talking to other people, is it you're describing what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with your family and what's wrong with your life and what's wrong with your health? Or are you speaking from the perspective of this is what Jesus died for me to have? Because most of what you're worried about isn't going to happen anyway. You may as well go ahead and exert the effort to believe for something that can happen. Are you with me? Peace guards the heart. Peace I leave with you. You want to experience the peace that Jesus gave you? Because it's not just him that's magically going to wave a wand and make you be at peace. Gratitude nurtures the heart to the degree that it's receptive to experience the character of God. Gratitude, listen, I might even be able to say that again. Gratitude nurtures your heart which is the field in which the kingdom is in, within which the word is in, gratitude nurtures your heart so that it's receptive to the character of God. And peace will guard that. Peace guards your heart, which is where God is moving in and through you. And how do you get to peace? Gratitude. It's, it's pretty important. It's not just how you approach him. It is how you approach him, but it's not just, oh, I just need to be thankful. It's not just the journal that you do. And, and we need all of those tools because, man, we are in, in gracious bunch, unfortunately. But So peace, let me, and let me just end with this. I just want to round out this idea of peace. 
So you have the peace of Jesus. This is kind of small. I put the whole definition. If, if you want to look on the back, it's back there as well. You might be able to see it back there. But I'm just going to read through this. This is the Greek. So the, the, the Hebrew word for shalom or for peace is shalom. And it's a really interesting. I actually have a video. I don't know if I have time. But, so, but the Greek word, because Jesus um, is, is, so you, you may or may not know, but Jesus spoke Aramaic, which was like Hebrew. But they wrote all of their, the culture was Roman that he lived within, so they wrote everything in Greek. So all the letters that were written about the, uh, from the New Testament time were written in Greek. So we go to that language to then translate it to every other language that we have, which is why we go back to the Greek so much to study the New Testament, because oftentimes you don't get a really good translation. Oftentimes you actually even just get what's called a transliteration. So when it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Greek word for saved is sozo, and sozo means healed, made whole, delivered, restored, kept safe, rescued, prospered, delivered from messianic judgment. We think saved just means you got your ticket punched to heaven, but it's so much more than that. That's a transliteration. You lose a lot of the, the, the substance of what's being said. And so we, we do original language studies, and in, in peace... So the concept of, y'all mind going over a couple minutes? How long is that video? Does it say on there? I think it's like three minutes. Let me just, I want to show the video because I think it's really good. Um, this is a, go ahead and unmute and be ready. I'll give you the cue here. But this is a Bible project. How many of you like the Bible project? Yeah, re really great resource. This is the Bible project. And this is their video on peace. So whenever you guys are ready, y'all go ahead and play that. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. 
and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Man. Don't you love their ministry? I'm telling you, they, they pack so much good stuff in there. It's like when you watch those, you have to watch them like five times to kind of just... Because there's a lot of actual rich theology and biblical study that goes into what they're saying. I mean, it's a cartoon, but it's like there's a lot, there's a lot said in that when you pick up on all the different cues. But think about that. My peace I give to you. The kind of peace... The kind of wholeness that Jesus has with the Father, that's what you have. The kind of salvation that Jesus died for you to experience, that's what you have. The, the unbrokenness of emotional stability that Jesus has, that's what you have. In spite of whatever is going on in your life, however, whatever level of unjust victimization or loss you've experienced. You can have peace on the inside in spite of anything that's going on out here. Oftentimes the reason our lives externally are in such a mess is because we're not experiencing His peace inwardly. And so then we've got this mechanism on the inside of us that's broken, that has a filter that looks for the situations that match our inner picture. And so we let our, we just keep going into these broken scenarios and, well, I just don't know why this keeps happening. I keep going into this and this happens and this. Well, that's how you see. That's what you believe life should be like inwardly because you don't have this wholeness informing who you are, then drawing you into different scenarios. Most of your problems are your fault <laughs> because your broken heart keeps letting you enter into more broken scenarios. It's not God putting his thumb on you so that you'll learn patience. Now, I get it. There's a broken world. Things happen. Children go through horrible atrocities. There are genetic disorders and ailments that manifest in our bodies. That's just the effect of this world. I'm not saying you're sick because it's your fault. You know, I'm, I, so don't, don't take that. I know that can be offensive. I'm just saying 
the things that are under our control, a lot of that stuff would resolve if we would learn how to connect with this sense of peace inwardly that we have from Jesus himself. Just meditate on that idea. What kind of, what kind of inward thoughts in life? How, how peaceful do you think Jesus is inwardly? You have that capacity as well. And I'm just submitting that gratitude starts to condition your heart in such a way where you can let that peace become your reality as well. And then you become like Jesus in that. He says, the enemy comes, but he has nothing in me because it starts with what's in you. And it's your response to the things that happen around you. Not trying to discern why is God allowing that or not allowing that or this or that and this concept that God's making every little thing happen. You'll never have peace in that kind of scenario because you'll always be confused of what God's trying to do. Kind of sounds like the typical Christian, doesn't it? You have the peace of Christ. Amen? So just stand up and just put your heart on for that for just a moment. I'll leave this passage up. You can look at it if you like. Chris, you want to slide up here? Yeah. So let's just, just for another minute or two, just as we close, I just want you to see yourself, especially if you're transitioning, as we transition into the holidays, don't raise your hand, but a lot of people struggle going into the holidays. A lot of people have trauma and difficulty, and, and maybe you're even in a situation where it's like, you know, it's time to buy the presents, it's time to be around those people again, or this or that, and, and what, whatever, or maybe it's just a joyful scenario for you, and you get to be a rock for those that are struggling in this time. It's just a fact that it, in this season, in this season, depression increases, domestic violence increases, uh, alcoholism increases, suicide increases, all the things that humans struggle with gets worse during the holidays. Just like during COVID happened, um, that, well, that's a whole other subject. That did, uh, anyway. But just for a moment, and you, you, you have something you want to go ahead and say? Or? Go ahead. So just for, well, I'm going to close with that. So go ahead. Uh, let's, let's put this mic on. Don't you just love this beautiful human here? So a couple things. I don't know what you were going to go into, but I had a vision for the church praying for each other, awesome. so I'm yep, pretty yep. sure that's what you're going to do. But also just want to lift up the Newell family. Um, yep. Charlie and Tamara lost their father uh, yesterday. Char Charlie's da father. David Newell. Charlie was a, or Charlie's dad was a pastor for years. I think he preached like three or four weeks ago even, so he just... Passed away yesterday, so we want to lift them in prayer, but really my, my biggest reason for coming up here is I just had a vision of us praying for each other. Yeah, let's and, do that. You know, we had our women's uh, event on Tuesday night, and we one of the things that we did is asked everyone to write down, like, if you had something that you wanted prayer about, what would that be in one or two words? And not one person wrote or said, I don't have something I want prayer for. We all have stuff going on, whether it's good or bad. You know, we might, some of the words were like, for my, for example, my word was focus and just being more focused on things on my heart. So it doesn't have to be a negative thing, but we all have things that we need prayer for. And look around the room, this is family. And going into Thanksgiving, you know, sometimes it might be a struggle uh, with family, but this is your family here that is praying for you. And so I really just felt a call for us to be praying. Amen. So if you feel comfortable, 
just turn to the person around you if you want to share if you have a prayer request or not. But I just really, I kind of want to pray from this perspective. Find out what the need may be, but then pray from the perspective as if it's already been met. Amen? Pray from a place where you're thankful rather than praying from deficit or lack. So just for a moment, just, just turn. And, and if anybody specifically wants prayer, lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand where you are. We have, we have one right here. Uh, Emily and Tracy, would you slide back, back there, right back there? Anybody else? Raise your hand if you have, if you have prayer needs at all. Don't be shy. Back in the back, back there, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, would you help Adam back there? Yeah, right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anything specific? Why don't you turn these side lights down if you would? Um, yeah, so, and then the rest of you, just turn. Just turn to somebody next to you, and we just want to speak peace. So I'll just start. Did you want to pray, or we'll just... Father, we thank you for this body. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. We are so grateful for the freedom that we have in you. Father, part of our mandate is that we grow up as the church, that we grow in the unity of the faith. So, Father, we just speak life and peace over every person in this room. I thank you that we can expect to experience every aspect of your name, your authority, your character. So, Father, we trust you that you are our provider. And I'm praying for each one of you and those of you that are watching and listening online. And if you want to, Glenn, if you want to move around, if any of you feel comfortable praying for others, you can just move around and pray for each other. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're available. I thank you that miracles happen even in this moment right now. I thank you that you're giving us a renewed sense of peace inwardly so that we don't have to be afraid. We can trust you. God, we thank you that you're our provider. You are our righteousness. You are our peace. You are our deliverer. You are our father. And we trust you. Yes, you are our Father, Lord, that we can be real with you, that we can drop down those walls of trying to be perfect, that we can come to you with our hearts open. We can just be real. We don't have to have it all worked out, that you want a part in our lives, in our hearts. Just a boldness right now. A boldness for our personal lives, for the people around us. Just a knowing and understanding of the people around us. Have those deep conversations. Ask your family and friends that you're with this week if they need prayer. Just keep hearing the word. Be real. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your peace, your goodness, your kindness. Thank you that you love us right now where we are. We don't have to have it all worked out, but you're helping us to walk forward, taking those steps, growing a deeper relationship with you, Lord. It can start today, which is boldness relationship. He is our Father, and He loves you deeply. Thank you, Lord.